Hey there, and welcome to another fortnightly episode of War Starts Midnight. I'm Chris Gallagher. And I'm Jacob Graves. On today's show, we're reinstating the Midnight Warrior Jedi Council with special guest Jason Young to discuss the latest Star Wars anthology movie, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Plus, I've got the perfect beer to pair with this warp speed adventure, and we've all got some really rad recommendations you should definitely check out. But first... So Midnight Warriors, for those of you who might not know, uh, Jason Young, he's joined us for uh, all of our Star Wars discussions with the exception of The Last Jedi. He's sort of our our resident Star Wars uh, fan friend, but he's also a very incredible and talented toy photographer. Jason, tell us a little bit about your your Work More or Less Instagram account and uh, sort of what it is and and also what what have you been doing on there lately? Sure. Well, just to, as much as I wish I could do toy photography is like a full-time gig. Uh, it's more of a, a creative outlet, of course. Um, sure. So by day I'm doing animation, motion design, but still doing creative stuff uh, outside of like client work. Work more or less kind of came to the picture a couple of years ago. And uh, my love for Star Wars has been around as long as I can remember. And uh, also toys. So one, one, I guess a couple of Christmases ago, uh, I got a new, uh, nice DSLR and wanted to kind of start shooting and, uh, had toys, Star Wars stuff. I was like, Hey, I'll just shoot this and see how it goes. And slowly kind of, uh, started seeing people on Instagram actually posting toy photography. And I thought that's pretty cool and kind of tried it out and, uh, kind of been hooked ever since. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun to, to use that as a creative outlet outside of doing creative work. You are one of my favorite follows on Instagram. Is it okay <laughs> if I still think of you as primarily a toy photographer? That is okay. Awesome. We're talking about Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. It's Perfect. what I it's what I love. I love to do in my in my free time. So yes. I love seeing how like going back through your profile and kind of seeing um, how your your style has uh, it, it's not quite that it's evolved, but you you know it seems like you like to kind of play with themes and that that sort yeah. of thing. I will say I'm very envious that like if you go back to the very beginning of work more or less, mm-hmm. it's already great. <laughs> like it's you don't have any like there is nothing in there where it's like oh I can see where he started out toying around, huh? Right, and nice. and then like got got his groove. I mean, and and obviously you're extremely talented in graphic design and, and all those things. So like you're bringing all of that together. So obviously like it's uh, obviously it's all going to be great from the start, but uh, I say all of this is a very long winded way of saying um, so you, you do kind of theme stuff every once in a while. Yeah. What have you, what's the most like exciting or fun thing that you've been doing lately? Well, I mean, I will say if you, if you do check out work more or less on Instagram and you kind of just scroll through my, my posts, obviously the majority of it, probably like 98% of it is, is Star Wars. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, obviously that's something that I really enjoy you can tell. Um, but I mean, really the, the themes itself, not necessarily is what I'm interested in. I'm, I'm always getting new, new toys to shoot. Um, a very, you know, some of them are like the small six inch $20 figure price point. And mm-hmm. then I've got some other ones that are, you know, like 10 times that amount. And they're more like 12 inch, um, hot, the hot toys are really, really spectacular. Um, it's more of a lot of times I'll get new things and want to shoot that 
and then around like whatever the character is, um, we kind of build themes around it or what I want to see. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll just take a figure maybe outside, snap a, a few shots. And then other times I might spend, you know, a couple of days just thinking through, okay, this is the character. I want to put him in this setting. How do I create the, the surroundings? What other additional things do I bring in? What other props or things I could build around it to just give it more um, kind of depth and uh, really just like playing around. That's what keeps it interesting. I'm going to tell you, I'm 80% impressed with the work and 20% super jealous of the toys. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I would do with them, but I got to have some of them. I'm just that's, like, this is amazing. Yep. That's the, that's exactly where I am. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with all of them, but I, I got to have them. So <laughs> I, I have to take pictures of it just so I don't feel like I'm, I'm just a hoarder. So no, no, no. There's a reason I'm buying the toys. Exactly. <laughs> it's a lot easier to, to, uh, to convince my wife of that too. So. It's a, it's tax write off. I promise. Just it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to start taking pictures of Criterion Collection Blu rays because I think that might help me get to buy them as well. Man, whatever works. That's I would. I sh- yeah. You, I might do that too. That's, that's a great idea. <laughs> Just anything you want to buy. Oh no, I take pictures of it. Tax write off. <laughs> so, Jason, do you have anything like big or exciting planned uh, coming up in the future for for the account? Yeah. Uh, Specifically, one of the, the big things coming up is uh, something that just this little thing that happens in July called uh, San Diego Comic Con. Oh uh, boy! So yeah, yeah. So I went uh, went last year, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was amazing to see a lot of um, on one side, kind of a lot of artists and um, designers that I've met over the years, mm-hmm. and meeting them in person, um, setting up their booths, and just like actually meeting these people for the first time in in person. But also on the toy side. Uh, in the two years I've been doing this, I've developed some relationships with um, like toy companies themselves, yeah. uh, but then also like uh, U.S. distributors of um, like you know Asian toys and things like that. So there's a lot of uh, f- people I can meet and talk to on both the just creative side and also, in a sense, kind of on the toy side. Um, so it made sense for us to go back. I wanted to go back. Um, so my wife and I were going to go back in, in July and hit that up. And what's going to be great about this is, uh, going and also meeting, uh, quite a few of the toy photographers in the community on Instagram that I've met and have built some really, really good friendships with, um, um in that time. So it'll be fun to kind of hang out with them too, check out all the new stuff, see the new toys, um, new announcements. It's, it's going to be a blast. Well, if, if you happen to see a lumpy hot toys, Grab it for me, and I'll definitely will. Anytime I hear the word "lumpy," I think of Chris Gallagher. So <laughs> it's synonymous. It's synonymous, of course. Speaking of, I know we've all read the uh, headlines about that one cameo in Solo. Uh, was it lumpy? Was it lumpy? Was it lumpy? <laughs> Find out next. There's no liars in this game. Just players. The seat taken. Nobody's in the seat that I ain't taken from. So this is uh, Sabak. 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 Got it. You played before? A couple times, yeah. Captain Lindo Karazi. On solo. Looks like you're uh, having a good day. I'm a lucky guy. Can I ask you a question, Captain Calrissian? Anything, Han? It's Han, but that's okay. I heard a uh, story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true.
All right, guys, we have convened the Jedi Council here today to discuss Solo, a Star Wars story. This is the second Star Wars anthology film that we've gotten in the Star Wars universe, you know, apart from the Skywalker lineage saga. And, you know, it went through some turmoil throughout production with uh, Lord Miller getting fired off off the film, Ron Howard coming in kind of late and taking the helm and, you know, had had a lot of poor publicity and actually had a kind of, you know, for a Star Wars movie, not great turnout at the box office. But it did have one cool Beastie Boys trailer. It did have one cool Beastie Boys trailer. It sure did. That's what got me in the seat. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> so I have not really talked with either of you guys about your feelings on this this film. Jason, we joke that you're sort of the eternal optimist here. <laughs> It's true of, of of the Star Wars fans that that we know. Um, so, Jake, I want to start with you. What did what did you think of Solo? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Are we going to brawl? Go. I I did not love it or hate it. I, f- I felt probably in that upper middle range of I enjoyed watching it and I enjoyed a lot of it, um, but it, it wasn't like I didn't know what to expect from it, and I and I like Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't know where it was going to go. It didn't ruin the character. So there's that. There's that. What'd you think of Aaron Reich? Oh, I, thought, I thought he did a really good job. Not as much Harrison Ford as I, I thought, but he still did bring a lot of Harrison Ford into the role. I just like Alden Aaron Reich so much yeah. that I was going to enjoy it no matter what. And I loved watching him play off of, uh, obviously, Donald Glover. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Your, yeah. your pick for, for fantasy casting anyone is anything. Yes. What, what about you, Jason? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I was, I was excited going into it and obviously you say I'm kind of uh, the, the optimist. Um, I, I was excited. I, well, I, I will say before when they were, we were seeing kind of a lot of uh, news coming out about all the trouble it was going through. I was kind of gritting my teeth like, Oh man, I hope, I hope this gets salvaged at some point. And, uh, once Ron, Ron Howard came on board, uh, I had a little bit more confidence after I saw last Jedi. Um, and that was kind of already saw that, put that behind us looking forward <laughs> towards, um, towards a new, new solo film. And it seemed like it kind of leveled out. Uh, I was, I was just pumped. I was, I'm excited to get more star, star Wars stuff. <laughs> it may not be the popular thing to say, but I'm excited to see more star Wars. And with this being, uh, a Star Wars story separate from the, like you said, the Skywalker lineage. Um, I was ex- just expecting to go in and just it be kind of like a summer flick. Just sit back and enjoy it. Take it for what it is, uh, knowing that it could be riddled with problems. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was great. Just like you said, I think um, Aaron Reich, Glover, they were great together, played off uh, one another extremely well. Um, the relationships they built uh, with Chewbacca, um Munis did a great job as Chewbacca. Nice seeing him oh, actually, yeah. Oh, yeah. instead of being more responsive, actually um, seeing Chewbacca kind of be his own kind of character versus always having to play off of Han Solo or others. Um, yeah, I, th- I I I enjoyed I enjoyed the the chemistry they they each had on on on, on film. So for me, I. I really didn't know going into this what to expect or what I was going to get. Um, I, you know, I followed like everyone else, followed the the news, followed the sort of twists and turns of production. And then we got that first trailer and we all know how I felt about it. 
it it wasn't it wasn't a very good trailer um and so i you know i like the cast i like everyone involved i liked lord and miller when they were selected i i think ron howard is a perfectly competent director and you know he's he's the type of guy who borders on less of an auteur and more of a like workman but that's not necessarily a bad thing and in this situation uh he's kind of the type of guy you want to bring in for uh for something like this you kind of needed you kind of needed that direction i think yeah so all that is to say that whenever i put my butt in the seat and and finally saw it i wasn't really sure what i was going to get and i absolutely loved basically more or less every minute of this thing nice. which really totally totally shocked me this is no like i wish i wish my son was old enough for me to take him mm-hmm. to the theater to see this because it is just like it's what i think of when i think of like summer popcorn blockbuster absolutely in in the classic sense yeah it's just it's a lot of fun it's a lot of like like you were saying jason sort of the the play between han and Chewie is good the Mm -hmm. all the all the characters i think interact quite well together even you know like uh thandy duden who plays val you know she doesn't get a whole lot of screen time but i think where she is on screen where her character is utilized she's great um, same, same with, uh, John Favreau as Rio. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a character that could have easily just been sort of this throwaway, like, okay, well we got to have something happen with this guy. And I like, it was, it was filled to the brim in a way that I wasn't expecting at all. Um, yeah. and yeah, I was, I, I can't wait to see this movie again. Remind yeah. me who was Rio. Rio was the four-armed guy. Uh, he was the original pilot. That makes sense. I, I kept trying to place the voice, and I couldn't find it. I was like, I know this voice. Yeah, John Favreau. Rio Duran. Um, I, I, I did want to ask you one question, though. You say you loved it. Did Did you find the pacing was maybe a bit too fast, especially in like the first act? I don't know if I'd say too fast. Maybe a little bit uneven, but I actually appreciate that we're not given so much, like, exposition of like it's because it I, what one of the things that i was fearing going into this was that it was going to be like like ray or walk the line or something where it's like oh we see how he came up as, as this orphan kid and you know hard mm-hmm. times and all that and and we see some of that but we skip through it pretty quickly also yeah. uh the opening scene with proxima the like giant wormy Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know what you would call her exactly. She's she uh, has all a, these a Jim a Jim Henson puppet. <laughs> that felt like totally John Carpentery to me. Oh yeah, yeah. It it, it it felt like Jim Henson to me, but but still, it it had that old school, cool puppet, real life. That I, I really I, I liked that a lot. Yeah, that was nice. And and also like the the way I mean the way it's photographed throughout, but the way that that scene is photographed with like all of the just sort of like deep rich blue. Yeah. Bradford Young deserves a round of applause for this entire film. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, that was nice to be able to kind of have like you said using the color, especially in that scene to really keep you grounded in that. Because we do jump, I mean all Star Wars films, we do jump from planet to planet, scene to scene. And for something like that to just be as rich visually as mm-hmm. it was, it I think he did a great job. So, Jake, to your to your question, I think you know it's probably up until he joins up with the uh, 
Imperial Army? Um, or is it Navy? Well, I think originally he was going to, he got kicked out of flight school and then he was a uh, ground trooper. So when we catch up with him three years later, he's, he's <laughs> was already been kicked out of the, the flight academy. Right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real quick note. Uh, I like that before World War II in space, it was just World War One in space, just <laughs> trench warfare on a planet. I kind of, yeah. I kind of like that, that set piece. I, yeah. I like the, but, um, up until that point, there's, you know, it, it's not the smoothest transition. Um, though it's still better than I was expecting. And I think from basically from him meeting up with Chewbacca forward, like I, I thought the, the pace was very well handled. Yeah. I, I and I bring it up because I, I thought it was a bit fast, but the more I thought on it, I was like, I'm glad they picked this pace instead of here's a two movie cliffhanger after the first one solo intro. I didn't, yeah. I didn't want that. Yeah, as far as the um, the pacing, you guys have already seen it uh, one time, correct? Correct. Yes. Haven't seen it a second yet. So I took first time I went and just saw it with my wife to kind of, in a sense kind of screen it. Uh, second time I saw it with my my boys, and I would say, especially yeah, just just really watching all these films, um, the pacing is generally fairly quick. I'd say because they've got to cover a lot yeah. of ground. Yeah. Um, in most of these kind of action films, uh, the second time around. I didn't feel so much as like we were spending too much time uh, on the, up front. Uh, you know, a lot of times like with, uh, let's say, The Last Jedi, the Canto Bite scene, that mm-hmm. whole sequence when I first saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is going on forever. And then now that I, I watch it more and more, it kind of zipped by pretty quick. And that's kind of how I felt on the, the subsequent view uh, of Solo. But um, overall, I, th- I thought the pacing felt good throughout the movie. Um, and like you said, it, it was really well handled in terms of how much screen time you got of each of the characters. Um, if you saw too much more of Rio, if you saw too much more of Val, uh, it would have been a little just, it would just been too much. And I think it was handled really well, um, editorially where you get enough of the essence of the character, what their motives are. Um, and then, you know, whatever the demise <laughs> ends up being. And then kind of moving forward and just kind of continuing to steer the, the story. Uh, I, I thought that it was it was well done. Speaking of Rio, they definitely made me a little invested in that character when he's like, I want to open a cantina one day. And I was like, yeah. oh, he opens the cantina. And then... And then he gets shot in a shoulder. <laughs> I was noticing the second time because I was like, just getting shot in the shoulder. I mean, Lando got shot in the shoulder. The, the second time I saw it, I was paying attention. And as he kind of turned his back a little bit, like he actually had a blast, like pretty much in dead center of his back and oh. his shoulder. So I was like, oh, okay, that makes a little bit more sense now. But first, of all, like, you, don't die, man. Stay with us. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was some weird balance of his of his uh, his race or whatever. It's like he has four arms, but his shoulders are his greatest weakness. <laughs> <laughs> Just the top left. <laughs> the Rio shoulder is the Achilles heel. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I'm most impressed with with this story as a whole is the way that it handles Han Solo. Because to be perfectly honest, like 
the fact that this was a Han Solo origin story was probably the thing that had me the least excited um, because I wasn't sure it was something that I needed. And I think it does enough to kind of give the obvious fan service nods that you're going to have to get in a Star Wars movie because that's just the way these things work without feeling like everything plays out exactly how you expect it to either. And uh, so it's it's this nice balance of it feels as much like an Adventures of story or even probably more an Adventures of story than it does the origin of Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I liked it much better once it got out of the origin area mm-hmm. of like he came from here. He wanted to do this. He, and once it got into just uh, um, the sting in space, that's yeah. when yeah. it started to get really good. <laughs> The only thing I really knew is that Han, Chewie, and Lando were making it out. And anything else could have happened to any of the rest of the characters. Yeah. And, and I liked that opposed to the other uh, Star Wars stories where you kind of, I mean, you know who your main characters are. And they would never kill off Han in a Star Wars movie. Uh, you know who's going to survive. Spoiler alert. Uh, they actually killed off Han in a Star Wars movie. What? Unfortunately. We, we sing about it in the... Uh- the spoiler song actually that happens no that was this han solo <laughs> yeah uh so i one of my one of my favorite parts in in the whole thing is i love han speaking wookie to chewy mm-hmm. yeah that um, was nice because it it feels like it it feels right for the character in like han solo is han solo is this weird mesh of like macho and like but also uh genuine like he kind of he has this genuine love for people even if he pushes it down mm-hmm. and you can kind of see that there's he's more dynamic than he's letting on as yeah. he's trying to connect with this this creature that everyone else is just like oh he's the monster throw him in with the monster um and he's the only person that sees chewbacca as you know as a a an ally kind of yeah and it, well or or just as a a one i mean to go further into sort of a theme throughout this not a just a subjugated animal but uh someone who is uh on the same level as him he and and then that i think you know there are so many ways that that origin of the partnership could have just been hacky like i know in episode Three, they wanted to have a young, like ten-year-old Han Solo who was like the orphan ward of Chewbacca. Oh. I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, because this is a much more rewarding way for their friendship to blossom. And that was that, that was what was also fun about this film because obviously, so many callbacks, so many uh, things that were were said throughout the original trilogy. Of you know, especially Empire Strikes Back with Lando and the Falcon and all these questions that they kind of had to touch on. They didn't need to completely mm-hmm. answer everything. To see those things was fun and rewarding to see how the relationship developed and how, in you know, they kind of were th- they literally were thrown in together and they had to figure out a way to get out. And that's kind of how their their friendship developed over over the course of the the series and. So just those little things, those moments were nice to see those relationships and how they kind of began. What did you guys think of the origin of Han Solo's last name? Mm. Yeah. Uh. Here's here's my, like, I don't think it really works. 
And I, I wonder if it was intended to like play as a stinker, honestly, but to play devil's advocate for a second, um, it's honestly not worse than what George Lucas intended. He named him Han Solo because he's the guy who flies solo. Absolutely. You know, it's not, it's not terribly far off from his actual origin. So maybe I'm just giving it a pass here for he like, flies it's, solo with Chewbacca all the time. Yeah, he's he's the loner. He's the that's you know that that's the whole point of a new hope is that he comes back to help Luke destroy the Death Star, and you know you see that oh he does have a heart. He's not just a scruffy looking nerf herder. Yeah. I mean, really, in all honesty, Han Solo is an awful hacky name. No, it's a real bad name. Yeah, I mean, it works because it's Star Wars and it works, but it really shouldn't. Who would have thought that 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 kid on that desert planet, Luke Skywalker, who was orphaned, he would become the hero? With a name like Luke Skywalker, you would have never seen that coming. So so that kind of just brings me around to something I wanted to say. We left and I was like, I don't know, I'm still thinking this movie over. And uh, my my wife said, uh, what more did you want to see? And I was like, I don't think it's what, or like, what more could it have done? And I was like, it's not what more could it have done. It's like, what less could it have done? A few things I wish they had reined in a little bit. Mm. And, and like it didn't ruin, well, the, the name for one, just <laughs> some, some little, little things that, um, over explaining parts of it to where now when I would go back and watch the original trilogy, I am going to bring in the things that I saw here with me. And it was like, I didn't know that this movie needed to be made. And so I, I was still working through that. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed watching it. I I really liked it. It was a really good summer movie. It was just like, uh, did we need more on that character? But it, the fact is, they did make it, and I I, di- I did enjoy watching it. I do not disagree with you, Jake. And I actually I've I've been declaring this is the 2018 version of King Arthur Legend of the Sword, um, which, and and I understand, like, it's it's a better film all around than King Arthur Legend of the Sword. I understand most people don't love that film as much as I do, but it's the type of film where it's just like, we do not need this. It does not need to exist. There's no, like, inherent answers that we need to expand upon by creating an origin story or creating another story with this character. That said, it's totally worth it, and I'm glad if there's going to be a Han Solo movie, this is the Han Solo movie we got, because yeah. it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It is. It, it, it was, but could this have worked as a backstory to, like, Boba Fett or something like that? Like, I liked the plot, and I liked what happened, and I did like Han Solo in it, uh, but I don't know that it needed to be that to be in the Star Wars universe. Well, I don't think you need – I mean, I don't – Han Solo is a bigger character than, let's say, Fett or another, yeah, a fan favorite. And I think there's so much around Han Solo with Chewie, Lando, the Falcon. I mean, I would I would argue that the Falcon is a character too. Oh yeah. Um, and so I think he's a really great anchor to be able to tell these additional stories, um, more backstories about the characters, um, not really origin stories, but just more more adventures. And I think it was a really it was a it was a better play than say going a little bit more uh, like say Boba Fett or Obi-Wan Kenobi, which those both might happen. I don't really know, but just, you know, I've, you guys have said it and I've heard other people say it, like, did we really need a star Wars movie and a, a solo movie? I mean, do we really need entertainment? Do we really need films? I mean, so much of it, it's just, you know, 
obviously I understand what you're saying, but it was just fun. And I think it did its, its job. It did what it needed to do. And I think it did it well, giving the circumstances, um, you know, like we said earlier. Um, but I'm glad, I'm glad they're making stuff. And it might be, you know, probably in 10 years, five years, we might say, wow, we're really oversaturated with star Wars, but at least right now where we are, I think they're, they're making good, um, star Wars films and star Wars content. Well, and to answer my own question, Jason, you bring up something that, uh, I've, I've been thinking about a lot since seeing it. Um, and, and that's that, it it really is a catalyst for exploring things other than just Han Solo. Um, like right. you said, Chewie, the Millennium Falcon, all of these things. It's he's almost a little bit like Mad Max in mm-hmm. Mad Max Fury Road, where he's at times not even the main person that we're focused on right, from right. from scene to scene. And I like that aspect of right. it. Right. Um, and not because, not because I have a problem with solo, but because I think it's a, you know, it's, you have a rich enough tapestry of characters and then the universe to pull that off. And I think it works really well here. I mean, between, uh, between Chewie and Lando, I mean, we haven't even really touched on Donald Glover yet. Um, I, I love him as, as Lando here. Like he's somehow doing an exact, uh, sort of performance of Billy D. Williams without it feeling like a hackney joke. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's not. It's not a Star Wars sketch where where childish Gambino auditions for Lando. <laughs> yeah, no. It 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 feels earnest and right. and it's really good. Yeah, it 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 really is. And has anyone ever done a young version of somebody else better than that? And Aaron Reich, man, he 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 did a fantastic job of selling me on that I was actually watching Han Solo and not somebody trying to be Harrison Ford. Uh, yes. He, yes. He, he, again, you know, it was kind of hard to separate yourself from, especially since his, uh, kind of his, his range, vocal range, or, you know, his, his pitch in his, in his, uh, his voice, just a mm-hmm. little bit different. It's a little less, you know, kind of low and, and kind of grumbly, gruffly. Yeah, sure. Uh, so that kind of, for a while that was throwing me off, like in the trailers, but he just owned it and he wasn't trying to, like you said, he wasn't trying to impersonate. And b- because of that, I think it was much more successful than if he did try. They're like, hey, you know, Harrison Ford does this when he delivers that line. You need to do that. You need to um, like, kind of be a, re- a replica. And I think that would have been awful. Honestly. The other thing I think helped his character was that he was, since he was a young Han Solo, yeah. he was saying like, I've got a good feeling about this. Yeah. You know, like, like he, he was not the seasoned older Han Solo. And because That's of true. that, yeah. as it went on, I, I believed him more and more as Han Solo. By the end of the movie, he's Han Solo. You yeah. see, I, I would argue that he's not quite yet though. I like, and that's, and this goes back to my whole thing about, I'm glad it's not the like kitchen sink origin story where they feel like they have to pack everything in and the cynical side can say, Oh, well that's because they want to make more Han Solo movies. And I'm sure they do want to make more Han Solo movies. They clearly set up where the sequel could go. Um, but it's, it's like the first chapter in him getting to be who we meet in a new hope. Well, Mm. let me say this. I don't mean he is where he is in the new hope yet. I just mean by the end of it, I bought him 100% as the character. Solo. He he was a young Han Solo. 
Yeah, but he's but he's still in that transition. Like you see him transition from the beginning to the end, and then you also see where he still has a large gap to fill in from where where he ends up to where then Han Solo is in A New Hope. So it's not it's not just that like because it's it could be very easy to just say okay we're going to see him uh, overcome his obstacles or go through a transformation and be exactly the character mm-hmm. that we all know and love by the end. And I really love that. It's not, it's, he's not there yet. It's not that. Yeah. Um, that's, it's a little refreshing in, in a place where we know we're going to get these movies. So we kind of, I mean, it's, you get to a point where some of the stuff is formulaic and it breaks the formula a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody at work was saying, uh, Oh, I don't. I don't want to go see it because uh, Aaron Reich doesn't have the the physicality of, of that Harrison Ford brought to Han Solo, and he isn't as rough and gruff and tumble. And and the the other person who had seen it already said, "How much of that was in the movie, and how much of that is you remember him also as Indiana Jones and all these other Harrison Ford roles? <laughs> mm, that's like a good how point. much is truly in 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 the text? How much is truly there?" My reaction to this would just be Han Solo in Return of the Jedi standing out in front of the. Uh uh little bunker, bunker doing his doing his like <laughs> mm? like there's there is so much of han solo that is kind of the physical comedy or that sort of which aaron reich is so good at yeah like that's that's the thing where people were like so angry that i didn't understand is like he makes sense for the character even if he doesn't like look like harrison ford yeah his mannerisms like you said those were the things that really sold me yeah um and also, like some of the some of the writing was really well done. I was mm-hmm. I was kind of bummed that a lot of the stuff, and they probably needed to do this to sell it. But a lot of the trailers, we saw some really really good moments. We saw some really great lines. Uh, you know, when he finds out that Chewie's 190 years old, you know, you look great. Yeah, like yeah. those were really great mm-hmm. moments that I was kind of disappointed that I already knew because in the moment, seeing it for the first time uh, on screen would have been, I think, a little bit more enjoyable. I would have appreciated it maybe a little bit more, but um, yeah, I think it, it was important for them to have to really sell to diehard fans, casual fans that this was going to work and show you, okay, this, this is solo. This is how he interacts. This is um, how you're going to, he's going to be perceived on film and to, just to make sure it didn't completely bomb, but who's to say the irony of all that is that the way, and I didn't, I reached a certain point where I just stopped watching the trailers because I was getting a little too much. And I was like, I'm going to, I know I'm going to see this movie. Yeah. I'm going to go in as fresh as I can. But at least the first couple trailers, like you've got uh, Woody Harrelson's character. What's, what's his name? Beckett. Uh, Beckett. Tobias Beckett. Yeah. You've got Tobias Beckett pitching him on gangster, putting together a crew. It's not great. That's not even, that's not even the story that we're watching. He's talking about job of the hut and it was right <laughs> under our noses. Like that was brilliant. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so speaking of, uh, we, we talked a lot about the characters from the, the future star Wars universe, but, but what did you think of the ones that were introduced in this movie? Did you, did you have a favorite? Uh, yeah. I mean, I know, I think I know the answer. Who was it? <laughs> well, no, you, you know, the answer it for me. Uh, it's L337. Yeah, it's L337. She was fun. Yeah. yeah. she Phoebe Waller-Bridges killed it on that that performance. And she like, yeah, I mean, she's, I appreciate that she's a different droid than we've we've had before. Yeah. She's, um, I mean, in her whole, 
her whole subplot, I I really appreciated. Like mm-hmm. when when she first shows up, I just wrote a little note that was like robot lib, and then <laughs> had no idea just how far that was going. That was going to go. Yeah. I liked how much it fleshed the world out. Just like like e- even the droids, even yeah. the droids have a have a have a thing going on. Well, yeah. and honestly, I think this movie kind of deals with stuff that's been in the background of all of the movies that that hasn't been addressed too too much or when it has it's like with uh is it Shmi Skywalker is yeah. that Anakin's mother. mother like where it's just like this really cheesy typage of oh look it's slavery on a on yeah. a desert planet but somehow this script walks a, a fine line where like you know that Cora has seen and done some dark things and you you get the weight of that um without it being too cumbersome for the type of story that it's telling um but it and it looks it in in the face a little bit more than than you typically get in a more earnest way i think and the same thing with you know with the spice mines and with all of um you know all of the sort of underlying enslavement throughout throughout this like it's brought to the front a little more to say like oh this is this is another problem with within our fun little universe that no one's really addressing without it feeling like i mean it doesn't feel as ham-fisted as cantobite either yeah i i I'd much rather somebody like han solo uh telling his 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 captain or whatever it is he's like well we are the hostiles yeah i think was the line yeah, yeah i really like those types of lines because as you said it kind of expanded our our kind of narrow view of what the Star Wars universe is. So mm-hmm. everything from droids being, you know, captive to, yeah, Han Solo recognizing like, we're actually the ones that are <laughs> kind of understanding that the Empire is maybe the bad guy. Um, I, those those were really, really nice um, call outs. And like you said, unexpected, which I think made the film just feel uh, a little bit more unique versus what we kind of expected we were going to see. Well, and I think that's that's what I appreciate is like we knew we were going to see Corellia. We knew we were going to probably see the the Kessel Run. We knew all of these things were happening, um, but it still managed to continue to surprise me time and time again. I mean, there's some great set pieces from the opening, you know, little little bit with uh, Proxima to the train heist, which is great. To uh, that first uh, that first card game with Lando. Oh. really had me on the edge of my seat um and i i knew how it was going to play out but i still like got my hopes up yeah. um and and to be perfectly honest i don't know i know why they couldn't do it but there was a little part in the back of my mind as we're getting towards the end and he still doesn't have the millennium falcon where i was like are they just going to let it go and end the first han solo movie without him having the millennium falcon i thought they were going to do it oh man and, I kind of wish I kind of wish you would have been mad. Well, I think it, they kind of needed to do it. Again, I think they needed to wrap up things in this one just on the off chance that, you know, mm. they're they're done telling his <laughs> story, which yeah. I'm sure they're not. But uh I'm glad they did and I think it was I honestly I was happy that he didn't win it the first time around. Like that's too easy. Oh, yeah. You can't yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. And as it was playing out, I was like, okay, he's going to lay it down, but the land is going to he's going to win. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that's what happened. Uh, but, you know, it was nice to see having the distance. Uh, you know, I love how Lando, 
<laughs> he just took the ship and just left them. He just, just yeah. he, like he didn't, he didn't have his cut or anything, uh, <laughs> but he just left. That was, that was a beautiful scene, but for yeah. them to kind of meet back up after everything resolved itself. Uh, and then Han kind of get the, um, you know, obviously win the ship back. That was, I was, I was happy to see that play out versus if it didn't happen, I would have been honestly, I would have been bummed. It's like, well, it, it gives them a whole arc together. Right. It also re it, it also informs their relationship mm-hmm. in a, in a way that feels very true to what we know about each of them from, uh, you know, the star Wars films and, and for, for Lando from, you know, uh, yeah. empire and, and, uh, return of the Jedi. Like it, it kind of you see how they're sort of two peas in a pod. They're they're very much the same sort of scrappy, uh, light on their feet, always thinking about how to get out of a a situation. I mean, right. because every time every time Lando's negotiating, he's sort of he's playing something behind his what seems like you know he's got everything going for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I love uh, again, kind of going back to how well they they're they're on screen their relationship was and how their mannerisms really felt spot on. I would say in that when they, the second game, when uh, they're on that kind of uh, very tropical planet Mm -hmm. and Han walks up in the moment, they hug was very, very, um, very, very similar to empire when he lands on, on uh, cloud city and Lando Mm -hmm. is like, or yeah, investment. And he, he said, you know, will you, Double cross and swindler. You got a lot no of good, good yeah. Like, and then he is like, gives him a hug and it laughs. Like that was exactly what happened, but kind of flipped on its side. It was just a really, really nice homage to that scene. And they just, they nailed it. And I got the same feeling. And that's that relationship <laughs> in between this film and empire strikes back. You can just see like, that was just, it makes more sense. Um, how they could be friends in Empire, but well, what's their backstory? Why do they kind of trust each other? Do they not? Do they? You know, um, this this did enough to kind of solidify that for me, at least. Well, and I think you know the answer is they sort of see that they are mirror images of each other, so mm-hmm. they know that like they can help each other out, but also they should never fully trust one another at the same time. Which I think is a great it's a great dynamic. It is. Um, it is. Jason, I have a question for you, yeah. um, because I think you have the answer. <laughs> I hope so. I'm on the I'm on the Jedi Council. I, I need to have this answer. I I need help understanding how Darth Maul is in this movie. Yes. I, I first off, was that Darth Maul? Was that some other Sith Lord? Like, isn't Darth Maul dead? Just like you read in all the news aggregators. The first line, yes, you did just see Darth Maul in Solo, a Star Wars story. <laughs> so wrong. So wrong. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, this is uh, – unfortunately, the listeners are, are going to have to do their own homework if they really want to go deep and dive into this. To make a long story short, we first see Darth Maul. We meet Darth Maul in Episode 1, Phantom Menace, and seemingly meets his demise when Obi-Wan cuts him in half. And then he falls, falls, falls down that, that shaft. Did Obi Wan have the high ground? No, he did not actually. No. He didn't have the high he ground. He still won. But he told wow. he told Anakin. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Uh, there's a little uh, little little gap right there. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's where if you're just a casual fan watching the films, 
that's your last kind of recollection of Darth Maul. What happens in between that and Solo, there's a whole ton. It's really interesting because there was um, George Lucas, he created a series called The Clone Wars, and it was an animated series. It was uh, six seasons long, and they delved into, obviously, The Clone Wars, but a lot of what they did was bring in some stories of, uh, you know, some bounty hunters like Bosk. Aura Singh was another bounty hunter that actually Lando met when he met Beckett at the bar. He said, "Hey, you're you're Tobias Beckett. You killed Ara Singh. That was uh, oh, that was a character. I didn't catch that. Yep, that was a character from uh, Clone Wars. And actually, I think she made an appearance. She's uh, in, in the Phantom Pod Race, or, right? Yeah, in the Pod Race. Yeah. Um, so anyway, those were really great callbacks to without being uh, on the nose in this film. Uh, side note, but so basically, the Clone Wars they revived. This is all George Lucas. He revived Darth Maul." At that point, uh, the Emperor kind of threw him away, didn't want anything to do with him. He'd been replaced, obviously. And so Darth Maul kind of had his own little arc. Basically, from that point on, um, he is kind of doing his own thing. He's all after, you know, filled with rage and hatred. uh, And he's out to uh, get Obi-Wan, get him back for what he did to him. But then in kind of throughout the whole course of that he's he's got all these like different side things and he actually makes another appearance in star wars rebels uh, which is a four season show that just wrapped up and that basically butts up to rogue one uh, like right before rogue one so he's got a he's got a ton of backstory so it wasn't surprising seeing him if you know all of that it wasn't surprising seeing him as kind of the head of this crime syndicate um but it still honestly it kind of took me out a little bit Cause I was not expecting to see him in the least. Um, oh, in one other note, which was really great about Maul, they did use Ray Park, who was the, the actor in Phantom Menace, but the right. voice actor, Sam Witwer, he brought the voice to Darth Maul who had done all of the, um, the animated series. So it was really, really nice balance for the people who'd seen him in the film, recognize him visually, but then also all the people who'd followed him, through the animated series, it was Maul's voice. That's who we become. But, but not so nice for us Peter Serafinowicz fans. Yeah. <laughs> just just cut him right out. <sighs> so do, do they explain how one survives getting chopped in half? Uh, I'm trying to remember, man. It was, oh gosh, there's a lot of okay. a lot of seasons. It's um, the Force. Yeah. We'll have, to, we'll have to Google it. I, I think he was done, kind of just basically filled with so much of this darkness that it kind of sustained him. And he was kind of in solitude for like 10 years. And it's, it's crazy. He actually, when you first see him, he's got this, he's almost like a, an arachnid. So he's, his upper half Mm. is what you'd see, but then the bottom is like these spindly kind of like spiderly legs. And then over the course of time, he he loses those, his brother comes and kind of helps get him out of that. And then he ends up making kind of normal, like kind of cybernetic legs, which is kind of what you saw in the film. So, what, yeah. what you're saying is it was only a flesh wound. It's only flesh wound. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> See, sixth grade Chris Gallagher was really disappointed when Darth Maul was chopped in half at the end of Phantom Menace. Well, yeah, yeah, we all thought he was going to be like the 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 Darth Vader, the the new trilogy. Yeah. Well, and then I spent the next two movies expecting him to come back in some big reveal, and it never happened. And then you just gave up after Revenge of the Sith. 
Shame yeah, on you. Yeah, you. you thought two movies up. later. Really think six. <laughs> yeah. God. Well, now you've got you've got like 10 seasons of animated shows to watch so you can catch up on, on all your mall. <laughs> yeah, I watch – I mean, I, I got started on the uh, Clone Wars back when the kiddo was born. It was like every two hours right. waking up. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed, enjoyed what I saw. I probably got through a season and a half, maybe two seasons. Yeah. Uh, and those, man, all those, they're just, again, just kind of like what, what Solo's done. It's just fun kind of filler. It's, it's, it's stuff that, uh, you know, you can appreciate just having more backstories about the clones, like the clones actually being, uh, unique individuals. Uh, so the whole story of that series is kind of focuses on these different characters. Um, so that, yeah, I think, I think I would equate kind of solo, even though it was a film, equate it kind of being kind of fitting in the same kind of space as some of these animated, um, series as well. Well, yeah. let me ask you this question, especially with it's Crimson Dawn, right? Yes. Yeah. With Crimson Dawn, do you think the next movie featuring Crimson Dawn will be a Han Solo movie or do you think it'll be another extended universe type Star Wars story that faces Crimson Dawn. It's a good See, question. We're, we're going to get Obi-Wan's story, and then we're going to get Obi-Wan v. Darth Maul, <laughs> Crimson Dawn of Justice. Well, I will tell you that Darth Maul and Obi-Wan do meet in Star Wars Rebels. And oh, really? And you see how that is all tied up. So okay. Is that still canon? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So I would, I would kind of lean a little bit more on you guys as far as you know, you hear a lot of rumors about what the next films, they haven't announced the third uh, Star Wars story. There's been speculation about Obi-Wan. There's been speculation about Boba Fett. I've seen headlines. I don't know who to trust. And so <laughs> I'm curious what you guys have, have heard. If you, you know, if you have like trusted sources of, uh, is there been anything official that's been announced for kind of movies to come? I or thought it was going to be uh, Uncle Owen, a Star Wars story. <laughs> I mean, unless it's um, lumpy a Star Wars story, I really, I You're really not don't care. It yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting for that announcement. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got the lumpy a Star Wars story Google alert, and it has not buzzed <laughs> me once. So, so Chris was was that cameo? Was it lumpy? <laughs> it turns out it wasn't lumpy, unless <laughs> unless Darth Maul and Lumpy are the same person. I I have not seen them in the same place at the same time, so maybe. I I saw a lot of Wookiees on screen. How do we know none of them were lumpy? We don't. That's the answer. We just don't. He's got to be there. We don't. He's somebody's canon. gonna go. Somebody's gonna go like frame for frame by frame and find a lumpy in the background. <laughs> That'll be Chris. <laughs> and that man will gonna, be Chris. <laughs> I'm gonna go frame by frame and put lumpy in the background. Right. <laughs> Jason, will you help me composite this, please? Do you yeah, have a lumpy exactly. toy? That's my that's my question. Do you have a lumpy toy? I don't have a lumpy toy because I if if I could find a lumpy toy for my kid I would totally get him a lumpy toy. Nice. I don't think they I don't think they make them though. And make your child the least appreciative kid in history. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, he'll be appreciative until he actually sees it. Yeah. No, lumpy is lumpy is terrifying. Have you ever seen the pictures of like oh my gosh. the the mask itself or like the it's it's nightmare fuel. It's really creepy. Yeah, it is creepy. <laughs> but L- Lumpy is the Star Wars story I want to see, guys. What do you guys have anyone who you would like to hear? You know, see, get a little more backstory to, or just go on a fun adventure with? Well, Jake, or- you said you said Uncle Owen, right? 
Yeah, well, but that's yeah. not my real answer. Uh, Obviously, okay. it's Jack Porkins. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Porkins, a Star Wars story. I need to know how he got there. That's that's all I need to know. Yeah. No, J- he's going to have to be a whole new saga. To yeah, play. right. Maybe that's what they're <laughs> developing for TV. Oh, man. Can, can, it, can it end like American Sniper where he just leaves and we all know what happens? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What about what about uh, Malakili, a Star Wars story? Remember the Rancor Keeper? The yeah <laughs> from yeah. Return of the Jedi. He was. I'm trying to think. He was in uh, the Tales from Jabba's Palace. Oh and yeah, I remember. I remember it being pretty cool, but I can't remember anything about him now. Well, uh, that's why we need to. That's why we need the film. That's why we, we need do. to know more about him. I bet he has a terrifyingly great backstory i mean how does how does anyone get from you know wherever they grew up to java's palace i mean that that could be that could be a series yeah i I would watch it i would watch it (laughs) or the or the java i would watch the java's palace like sitcom where it's like a workplace comedy oh my gosh that would be amazing salacious crumb is just you like he's the guy that's always like eating your food out of the refrigerator. That guy. Oh man. Let me ask you guys this: What was your favorite part of this film? It wasn't like any particular part, although I did like the big heist at the end and and the switcheroo and all that stuff. For to me, all my favorite parts were just the little moments. Like the one that kind of stands out to me. Mm-hmm. I like when they go in and they meet with uh, Paul Bettany's character and mm-hmm. uh, uh, about about their deal, and it feels like the meeting goes poorly because if they don't perform, they're all gonna die. <laughs> And then they walk out as a group, and Han, Han Solo is just like, I feel like that went really well. Yeah. That was great. He, he's just happy as can be because they didn't die that day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, no. just those little things that felt in character and were really, really fun to see. And that's the sort of things I, I wanted to see from a Han Solo movie. That That's what I like. Or, or Lando mispronouncing Han. Oh, oh my gosh. That was perfect. Yes. Oh. That, was, that was so good. Like all of all of the way that, and it it played out perfectly. It could have been like, and that's where like Donald Glover really carries someone else pulling that. Well, and Aaron Reich as well in his retort, like yeah. someone else couldn't have pulled it off. Yeah, oh, or, that was great. Or another little moment is where like I don't like it, I don't agree with it, but I accept your terms. Yeah. Like yeah. that one when he was <laughs> yeah. taking the smaller cut. Just all yeah. those little moments were just perfect. In here, and and the big stuff was all fun, but it was those character moments that that really made me enjoy the movie. I, I yeah. would I would completely agree with that, and I think that's what really makes this movie work. Um, it, oh gosh, there's there's so many of those those moments you could kind of call out, but yeah, that was <laughs> calling him hand, and oh, that was that was just perfect. Um, that was the the best way to kind of set the tone uh, for the film. Uh, I would say for mine, I. This one was a little bit different where there wasn't like this gigantic uh, space battle that was uh, kind of the climax of the film. It seemed like yeah. this one had a really just kind of a, a good pace throughout. And there was always this, in a sense, kind of like these little mini adventures throughout the mm-hmm. movie, which I thought was was pretty exciting and kept up the pace. Uh, I would say coming out of uh, the Kessel run, or actually not really, actually that when they freed um, you know everybody from Kessel, they got what they needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we're kind of um, going back through, um, I guess, actually doing the Kessel Run. That whole sec- segment was really exciting uh, because just as when you thought they kind of made their way out, they were kind of on their way, they're good to go, the Empire shows up. 
And what's fun about this movie is that you don't really, other than kind of in the beginning, when you see where he started his origin, uh, you don't really see too much of it. And for that starter story to just kind of, that shot was really beautiful. But the starter mm-hmm. story that was like backlit, backlit with the lightning to come mm-hmm. out. And then he said, he's something to the effect of like, oh, they're not going to waste uh, a TIE fighter on a, a little yeah. dinky freighter like this. And then multiple TIE fighters come out again. That was another moment. It's just like, that's so, that's so perfect. Uh, but it's just the excitement of um, taking L3 and her, her navigational system. And she kind of being um, kind of part of the, the Falcon from then mm-hmm. on out was really, really nice. A great way to kind of send her off. But um you know, up to the point where they actually made their escape, there was just a really, really lot, uh, some nice uh, dialogue, some nice little moments, like um, kind of what you you touched on, Jake, uh, just to kind of help solidify uh, Han Solo as a character and Lando, and that was just a really fun moment, and I'm um, I'm excited to kind of watch that that scene specifically over and over again. Chris, what was your favorite part? Um, so I'm kind of like you and I have a lot of sort of small things that I really, really loved. Like I mentioned before, Han speaking Wookiee. Um, I love that little moment because of, uh, it feels right to the character. It feels like a great, uh, spark of their friendship. Um, and I don't know, there's, there's a lot of little things that make me think that this film is going to be a really rewarding rewatch again and again and again. Like I think this is going to be, this is going to be a movie that's going to be a whole lot of fun to keep revisiting. And like, like I was saying, I, I can't wait until my kid is old enough to show it to him because I think he's going to love it. Like it's, it sort of fits into that. Like it worked for me, but it will also work on a kid level as well. Whereas I feel like some of the newer ones are a little, they're a little dark or get a little heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if I had to pick just one scene, I think it would probably be when uh, L337 kind of has her whole rebellion liberation on Kessel. That was great. Um, just sort of the, it it almost gets into this like madcap um, screwball comedy pace a little bit where like everyone's just like running everywhere and it's, it's kind of going nuts. And I love that about it. I mean, I loved Phoebe Waller bridges like performance throughout as L337, but like, uh, she, you know, even if she fell in, uh, in battle in the, in the release of all these captives, like she still accomplished something big and grand and it was, it was pretty sweet. I think L3 wasn't in, in the solo movie. She was in her own story. She had her own <laughs> yeah. plot. She was doing her own thing. And we were lucky enough that she rode on the ship with us. And, and you know, there is another movie somewhere in an alternative universe where Donald Glover is not cast as Lando, where like for decades, people are quoting him holding a pile of metal, just saying L3, L3 as like the biggest joke laugh line ever. Cause it's like that, that's a moment that could be really campy and really yeah. corny. Yeah. yeah. If L3 felt like Jar Jar, then that would yeah. have been the worst. Oh, moment absolutely. Ever. Yeah. That was pretty, yeah, that was pretty, uh, I hate to say like emotional, like overly emotional, but they built that character up enough where you actually felt like, bad you, you saw that relationship and that loss that he had with her not being there 
I, I thought that was well done. Well, and the same with like Tandy Newton's character and Rio as well. Like there's there's a lot of death in this, but it's it's handled in a way that's not, you know, it's not overly saccharine, but it's also not dismissive of just like, oh, people are dying left and right, whatever. Like there's there's enough weight given to each each one and they're kind of each death has its own separate weight. Yeah, I, I think uh, me talking about I like the lines and the little moments and you talking about L3. I feel like we're both saying we really like parts of that Lord and Miller script. Mm. That's ki- kind of what I feel like was coming through. And especially um, it, it felt kid friendly in a way and, and had that sensibility of something that could appeal to kids just a little bit. Yeah. Um, while also being serious and, and good and fitting in with the universe the right way. I think it's Lord and Miller coming through. That's interesting. I mean, but I at the same time, I'm not I'm not going to be one of those people who's saying I want to see Lord Miller cut. I want to see Lord Miller cut. Yeah. I'm fine with no, what no, we no. have here. Um, I want to see whatever Lord Miller do next. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm I'm ready to move on from that whole yeah debate and debacle. Absolutely. Yeah, and ultimately, Howard did a good job as as I knew he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And we got Clint Howard, so I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers are done. Spoilers are done. So, Chris, when the Midnight Warriors decide to sit down and rewatch this fun film or get over themselves and finally see a Han Solo movie, what do you suggest they crack open to have to drink? Jake, I am pairing Solo a Star Wars movie with Brett Berry Sour Saison from Wicked Weed Brewing Company in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and I've talked about Wicked Weed in the past. I've probably I've probably recommended one or two of their their beers. They make a lot of great sours and a lot of great funky beers. They have uh, at their brewer, they have what they call the Funkatorium. Um, this beer kind of brings both of those things together. Uh, it is brewed with blueberries, strawberries, blackberries, and honey. And... Uh, that's all put into a farmhouse or Saison beer. So think like, I don't know, perhaps like Tank 7 is maybe one of the the more like uh, well-known farmhouse styles. You know, it's it's a little, uh, it, it definitely has an aroma and a flavor to it that's distinct. This has that, but then it also has this uh, this tarty sour thing on top of it that that's really nice. So, uh, first thing you're going to notice is like there's a funky farmhouse aroma uh, that comes from the Brett yeast, uh, which is used for this style of beer, um, and then it blends from there into this kind of sweet berry tart flavor uh, that you you kind of get at the first sip, and then it finishes with a mix of that funky Brett yeast and a nice sweet honey note. Uh, at the very end. So it's not, um, one of the things that some people don't like about the, about the farmhouse style is that it's just a little too earthy for them. The honey kind of takes that off a little bit. Um, and so it's just, it's this really nice blend of a lot of different things going on, but never being, it's never too complex. It's never too overpowering in any way. Um, and much like solo, it just, you know, it, it continues to move in your mouth as you, um, as you taste it, but uh, 
never never feels like it overstays its welcome. So that is why I think the Brett Berry Sour Saison from Wicked Weed would pair exceptionally with Solo, A Star Wars Story. Sounds delicious. It's quite good. Solo, A Star Wars Story is currently playing at movie theaters nationwide. We'd love to hear what you thought about it. Send us an email at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. Or if email isn't your thing, we'd still love to hear from you. Ring the red phone and leave us a voicemail at 484-424-6362. That's 484-4CINEMA. Stick around for our really rad recommendations coming up next. I can still find Wiley's house Riding on my bike with eyes closed I could name every girl that he took out And from my memory dial his house phone Can you take me back where we were Just kids who were scared of getting older, yeah Cause no one knows you like they know you But no one probably ever will You can grow up, make new ones But truth is, there's nothing like old friends Cause you can't make old friends All right, guys, it is time for Really Rad Recommendations once again. And Jason, you being our special guest in the Jedi Council, uh, we'll let you go first. What do you have to recommend for us this time? Well, I would say, kind of what we hit on earlier, because there's so much backstory with Darth Maul, um, I would say it'd be, if you've got some time, you just want to throw something on in the background, um, check out, which is also great, on Netflix, uh, The Clone Wars. So it's six seasons. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly which season he kind of uh, is reintroduced in, but I think it's probably starting like at four. Um, but check that out if you're interested to see kind of what happened to them all between uh, Phantom Menace and Solo. And uh, if you get to that and you're not fatigued, <laughs> then you could check out uh, also Star Wars Rebels, which uh, unfortunately is not on Netflix, but it will be on their uh, streaming service eventually. I, I would assume the Disney service that they're we're working on, but right. for now it's mostly just on iTunes, Amazon, uh, all the usual places. Yeah. It's fun. I've heard a lot of great things about, uh, about rebels and I can vouch for what of, uh, clone wars I've seen. It's, uh, it's very, very good, high quality yeah. animated entertainment. Yeah. And again, you know, this is not going to win awards. It's just, if you enjoy the star Wars universe, this is just great. Uh, this is great fodder, right? <laughs> to just get right. lost in. So that's what I would say. Uh, Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Awesome. What about you, Jake? So if you like Alden Ehrenreich. <sighs> Jake, where are you going? And if you like him being a driver <laughs> and you love girls with prominent eyebrows, I have got a movie for you. <laughs> it's called Rules Don't Apply. Oh, Jake. Is that not is that not good? It's also directed by a former actor. I feel like this is just a home run. 
And I don't think I've ever recommended it or talked about it on episode 40-something. You know, when that second uh, solo trailer hit and uh, Lando's got that line about everything you've heard about me is true, that felt very much like uh, McCabe from McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I thought you were going to say like Howard Hughes said that or something and rules don't apply and I didn't notice, <laughs> which is also possible. No, but Warren Beatty also in also in that we did an episode with rules don't apply and McCabe and Mrs. Miller as a as sort of a double. And, uh, you know, they're all sitting around a poker table and, uh, you know, he's he's a guy who clearly has some rumors about him that he's using to his advantage. I don't know if it's an actual connection there or not, but well, there's also a giant fur coat. In this movie as well. There is a giant oh, yeah. fur coat. Maybe maybe he is McCabe. Oh, huh. I got to rethink this. Wow. This is a revelation right here. This huh. is amazing. This sounds like I need to go back and watch McCabe and Mrs. Miller and Rules Don't Apply. And then you should listen to the episode where we discuss both of them. Yes. And if Chris <laughs> did not let me re-recommend stuff we have already reviewed, I was going to recommend Young Mr. Lincoln, uh, which is also the tale of a hero we all know and love, but as a young man. Available on Criterion Collection and starring Henry Fonda. Uh, highly, highly recommend, and I believe it's a war crime for Chris. It's a war crime for me. We will get to it sometime. I I can't necessarily say sometime soon, but we will get to it. It's it's on the docket for the future. So yes, because you're not busy, watch Rules Don't Apply, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, listen to our episode, and then watch Young Mr. Lincoln. <laughs> Chris, what do you have to recommend? I am going to recommend something that I, I think I've discussed on the show here and there, but I don't think I've ever actually recommended it. And there's not a better opportunity, I think, that I'm going to get. So I'm going to recommend Clone High. This oh. is a animated television yeah. show that ran for one season, created by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Uh, it ran in like early aughts. I think it was like 2002 or 2003. Um, and it's this fun, irreverent, bizarro sort of – I mean, if you've seen – if you've seen the Lego movie or if you've seen any of their Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, any of their especially animated stuff, you kind of know their sense of humor. Um, and this totally has that. Will Forte plays Abe Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> Phil Lord actually plays the principal of the school. So the basic premise is that, well, to quote the theme song way, way back in the 1980s, secret government employees dug up, dug up famous guys and ladies and made them using genetic copies. Now they're all in high school. And so it's, you know, Abraham Lincoln and JFK, JFK Joan of Arc, um, Gandhi, all of these, all of these, uh, famous figures are going to the same high school together. Genghis Khan, Mary Curie, <laughs> Joan of Arc. Yeah. Yeah. Joan of Arc. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. and, and there's, you know, there's a bunch of people who kind of come and go as well. Um, oh, Eleanor Roosevelt, I think is the gym teacher. Uh, Andy Dick is, is a recurring character as Mr. Sheepman, the very first, uh, mostly human cloned, uh, entity, but he's also got a lot of sheep in him. Um, Donald Faison <laughs> plays Toots, who is, I think, Joan of Arc's blind jazz musician, uh, like foster father. Is that just, historically accurate? <laughs> it's historically accurate. Yes. Um, it's, it's. A fun little show. I mean, I think it only ran for about 13 episodes. Not all 13 episodes even aired in America. Um, this is the thing that introduced me to torrenting. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> in like 
mid to late high school because I wanted just wanted to see the rest of it. Um, and it's it's available on like a weird Canadian DVD release, or you can buy it on uh, on iTunes or on Google Play. Those are the only places, two places that I could find it actually available to purchase digitally. Uh, but definitely worth worth a watch. It's so much fun. Um, and there's a bunch of there's a also a bunch of early aughts celebrity cameos throughout it as well. Um, from like Marilyn Manson to Jack Black to Mandy Moore question mark um, <laughs> to uh, all all sorts of folks. I was going to say um, who is an early aught celebrity, and then you named them, and I was like, "Yep." Then I named them, <laughs> named them, and there's and there's more than that. That's the Tom Green. Tom Green is in an yeah. episode. Yeah, a very special episode about uh, ADD and ADHD. It's hyperactive cousin. The show is so much fun, and I feel like I never hear anyone talking about it anymore. So. Uh, I just want to, I mean, this is honestly of everything I've recommended. This is one of my strongest recommendations, uh, especially if you don't know anything about it, seek it out. I think you'll love it. I really don't know anything about it. So does clone high come before or after clone wars? <laughs> I, before, they exist concurrently in different universes. Okay. Oh, and with you two both recommending animated series, I feel way better about recommending three movies. Uh, it's completely off of my conscience at this point. Dude, I had no idea that, uh, Lord Miller did clone high. That's crazy. And that's a wrap for another episode of War Starts at Midnight. Join us in another fortnight for a brand new episode of The Carpenter Shop, our ongoing exploration of the work of director John Carpenter. Next time, we're discussing his visual effects-heavy sci-fi comedy farce starring Chevy Chase, Daryl Hannah, and Sam Neill, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. You can find us online at warstartsatmidnight.com for show notes and more. Or say hello on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at WSAMPod. Jason, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, you can follow my toy photography at, on Instagram at workmoreorless is my handle. Uh, if you want to see any of the design work, animation that I do for my day job, you can check out invisibleelement.com and at invisibleelement on Instagram as well. I highly recommend you follow both. Well, thank you. And thank you, Jason. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. It's always a blast. It always is a blast. I, I hope they continue to make Star Wars films so I can still have my seat on the council. <laughs> we can only hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah, thanks for coming on, and please keep taking pictures of toys. Please do that. I absolutely will. The War Starts at Midnight theme song was produced by Justin Streck. The Spoiler Alert theme song is by The Taylor Machine. Check them out at facebook.com slash The Taylor Machine. And shout out to Ben Rector for the future music on this week's show. Find more at benrectormusic.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Everything you've heard about me is true. I feel like that went really well. (laughs) That's 484-4-CINEMA. Where are you going, buddy? Yeah, this is a great TV show to watch. It is. Hey, I've I've never actually seen you record, Chris. Oh, it's okay, dude. It's okay. Oh. Yeah. Little dude.